Thank you, ladies. Matthew chapter number 9, Matthew chapter number 9, and as always, the music has been outstanding. I hope you realize the blessing we have in our music week in, week, week in, week in and week out, um, uh, so uh, it's always a blessing. I was thinking as they were singing up there, there's two sets of sisters that sing. There's Haley, Tori, and Ashley. That'd make a good trio. We throw Brother Terry in there. We got a <laughs> we got a mixed quartet there. So maybe we'll have to maybe we'll have to work on that. We'll see. Now that we've gone from spirituality to car- carnality, just speaking of, of Brother Terry singing, let's um, look at Matthew chapter number nine. I'm going to read three verses of Scripture to start with. We are going to turn in our Bible several places tonight. Uh, Tonight will probably feel more like a Bible study than a normal Sunday night service, Uh, but there's a truth. There's something that's been on my heart for some time uh, that I want to remind us of uh, as individuals, Uh, and it certainly will be very applicable to the the service tonight with the child dedication at the end of the service. Let's look at uh, verse number 36, and we'll read verse 36, 37, and 38 of Matthew chapter number 9. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. We're talking about the Lord. This isn't my message tonight, but the fact that he was moved with compassion should move us. The fact that he sees people, he saw the multitudes, the group of people. If you think about our Lord, he knew every name in that multitude. He knew every need in that multitude. And this is a whole other message, but the things that move the Lord should move us. And I'm afraid, um, in many cases, that's not always. And all of us ought to take an inventory and say, do the things that move the Lord move me? He was moved with, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I want to speak tonight on this subject. Invest in the harvest. Invest in the harvest. I know that this passage of scripture is speaking mainly of souls. That's the greatest harvest. uh, Lost souls coming to know the Lord. But doesn't it just make sense? Once people, the people are saved, if we invest in that harvest, and then they likewise go and reap souls from that harvest, that's part of God's plan. And so I want to speak on that tonight, to invest in the harvest. Father, I pray that you would use your word tonight. You've already given us a blessed day, a wonderful day. Bless the service now. Bless the preaching now. May the word of God speak to us. Bless your people, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The harvest that is spoken of in this context and certainly throughout Scripture, and just a harvest as we think in um, general, is fulfilled potential. As Jesus saw the multitudes in that harvest, he was moved with compassion because he saw their lost condition. But if anybody was aware of salvation that could have been attained, it certainly was our Lord because he is that salvation. He saw what was available. And I'm afraid sometimes we as Christians, we fail to keep sight, 
keeping the focus of what could be done for the cause of Christ. Now, make no mistakes. Uh, make no mistake about it. God is, blesses us. God has used us. This church regularly, on a weekly basis, sees people saved. Through the years, has made a great difference for the cause of Christ. But I want us to be reminded tonight of the potential harvest, the potential that could be done for the cause of Christ. Often, that is the hardest thing for people to see is the potential in doing something big for the cause of Christ, the potential that somebody has. You take, you, you take something that uh, is, is, uh, um, uh, is relevant to us in this time of the year. Uh, you know, the sports, you take a sports analogy and, and coaches, those that uh, sometimes are the best coaches, they're able to see the potential. Uh, we say that, well, they can see the potential in them. Uh, somebody who's successful in business is somebody who can take somebody who has the potential that nobody else sees and they can help them reach their potential. Now, it needs to be said of God's people and God's work that we are in the business of winning souls and helping them reach their potential. It's investing in the harvest. That harvest is a fulfillment of potential. Christ was saying there's a potential harvest that could be reaped in this context. There wasn't enough labors to reap that harvest. And certainly we need laborers in that harvest. But I want us to focus this evening on investing in that harvest. And when I refer to harvest, I just simply want to refer to uh, people in general. Investing in other people. Investing in someone else. The Lord's work, as we use that terminology, is about people. Christ came to die for people. Uh, he is interceding for People. He wants to make a difference in the life of individuals. For there to be a harvest or a reaping, there must be an investment. Uh, this may come, I remind you this from time to time, this may come as a shock for some of you, but I'm not a farmer. Nor have I ever been one, nor do I have a desire to be one. Uh, but uh, I am not a farmer, but I'm smart enough to know. I know enough about farming, but the, 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 the corn on those, ear, those stalks out there are not going to pick themselves. That harvest is not going to reap itself. There has to be an investment from the planting of the seed to the reaping. There has to be an investment. We like, as God's people, as the church in general, we like talking about reaping a harvest. We like talking about seeing what God will do and is doing. But friend, it does not happen unless there is a personal investment in the harvest. Parents must invest in their children if they're going to reap the harvest. That child is just not going to turn out just by themselves and by the grace of God, we don't kill our children on accident as parents. And it's more grace that we don't do it on purpose. Uh, but we have to have, God, what you have to invest in. The, the, uh, the smartphone is a poor substitute for parenting. Electronics are a poor substitute for parenting. The neighbors are a poor substitute for parenting. They may be great people, but they're not the parents. And can I say this? And sometimes, because things happen, that people in the church have to step in in the void of a parent. But quite frankly, those that are down at the church are a poor substitute for parenting because God gave those kids to you. You must invest in them. 
Christians must invest in others. I know, I know it's hard enough to just keep ourselves on the straight and narrow. I know it's hard enough for us to just be where we're supposed to be and do what we're supposed to do. It's hard enough for us to endure. It's hard enough for us to bear the burden. And all of those things are true. We battle our flesh in this life that we live. But we must invest in other people. I do not want to live a life where it is all about me. Now, what an empty life to live and die, and the, people you, the person you've influenced the most is yourself. We ought to be living to influence other people. Christians must invest in others. We must invest in souls. We must invest in the growth of those who are new Christians. We must be a part of building the life of someone else. That's part of edifying. That's iron sharpeneth iron. When I come to church today, I want to get fed from the Word of God. I want to be encouraged in my spirit and in my soul. But at the same time, I want to go so that I can be a help to somebody else. I want to be an encouragement to somebody else. I want to look at that prayer list that we get in Sunday school and that prayer list that is available throughout uh, the week in church. And I want to get that and I want to invest in somebody else because I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to find somebody who is not here and they're normally here. And I, I'm going to take it upon myself to just send in an encouraging word to them and say, hey, I miss you, or, or next time I see them, hey, let's, let's and, and try and encourage them. We must invest in other people. But you're not going to do that if it's all about you. We must be reminded of the harvest, the potential. We must invest in it. Churches must invest in the next generation. We must invest in the next generation. Churches are closing their doors, not because the Bible is not still true, not because the old-time religion is not the way to go anymore. It's because at some point they failed to invest in that next generation, and now they have no generation, as the Lord calls that older generation home. We must continue to invest in the next generation. We cannot change our focus. We cannot change our program. We cannot change our emphasis. We must continue to rear our, our children for the Lord. We must continue to try and reach that next generation. That's why the ministries we have, uh, we must have them. Berean Christian Academy is an important ministry. North Florida Baptist College is an important ministry. Our children's program we have is an important ministry. Uh, we must invest in the next generation. Souls are an investment. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is that jailer who walked up and said, what must I do to be saved? That's about as easy as it gets. Now, I've never had that experience. Never had that experience. I've had some people that have been very easy to lead to Christ. But I've never had somebody walk up to me and say, what must I do to be saved? My point is... It takes labor. It takes investment. Praying for souls. I wonder if we'd have more souls saved if we prayed for more souls. I wonder if we'd have more souls saved if we were actually a witness and looked for souls. I know we're busy. I'm not minimizing that. This is a reminder to the Emmanuel Baptist Church that we must continue to invest in the harvest. We must keep an interest in the investment. We must be reminded that 
People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, I met with our staff in our school, in our, in our, our, cat, our, in our college, and especially made this emphasis to our college, to our staff members, that the only time you speak to the student shouldn't be when you're getting on to them. There ought to be some kind of relationship. You can say hello during the week. Um, the only time you shouldn't speak to them isn't when you said, you failed again. We're seeing here next semester. Now, there, there's a line, there's lines that we, we, there's a standard that we want to hold people to, but the point I'm making is you get a lot further in life when people know that you care about them. People know that you've made an investment in them. And just like we want to hold as a staff in this ministry, we want to hold that standard. You know, Christians kind of, should, should hold themselves that standard too. We like to pass judgment, do we not? I'll say amen for all of us right there. It's in our nature. But maybe try looking at things a little bit differently as this, 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 these are the multitudes. This is part of the harvest that moved Christ. As a child of God, I'm to have compassion on those that are not saved. As a child of God, I'm to have compassion on those who are saved but are still growing, and we're all still growing by the grace of God. I want to invest in the process of me building myself as a child of God. I want to find somebody else that I can invest in. Now, as all of that as, as, as a foundation and a reminder tonight that we must invest in the harvest. The harvest moves God, still moves Him. People will cast aside, God cares for it. God, God, God uh, sent His Son to die on the cross for them. Uh, he has compassion for them. We must re be reminded, those that are like, oh, well, they'll figure it out. Maybe God put you here on this earth to help them figure it out, to invest in somebody. Let me, let me just mention a few practical things. Turn me to 1 Corinthians 3. These principles will help us invest in the harvest. Don't you want to be part of the harvest? Don't you want to be part of what God is doing? I certainly do. I want to make a difference in the life of someone else. That's my dream. That's my goal. And by the way, popularity and influence are not the same. They're not even close. And too many Christians are striving for popularity, and we have an opportunity to influence someone for the cause of Christ. Uh, parents, let me, let me help you. Don't try and be your children's best friend. I want them to like me. Okay, he's 15, Mom. He doesn't like you. I'm just, I'm just going to break that to you. And when he turns 16, it's not getting any better. You know, so when they're small, when a small mom enjoy loving on them, you say, when, is it, when are they over that? About six months, they're usually done with it. But, uh, they, 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 you know, they, they, they're going to grow and become more independent. I don't want them to be, no, sometimes, you, you know, they need a parent more than they need a buddy. Um, and so just a reminder, we must continue to influence. I want to influence. As your pastor, I would love for every member of this church to like me. I'm waiting for some feedback on that. <laughs> now, probably not every member of this church does, hypothetically speaking. And we do have a very, we have a very close relationship as pastor and people. I'm not minimizing that. But more important than you liking me, 
I want you to understand that and at least respect the fact that I'm your pastor and I'll speak the truth because it's what God wants for all of us. May that be so in all of our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 through 8, well-known passage of Scripture, I have planted, verse 6, chapter 3, 1 Corinthians, verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Listen very carefully to this truth. There, and number one, there are steps to reaping the harvest. Again, I, I told you I'm not a farmer. I've never been confused for one. Although I would like to wear a pair of overalls every now and then. But anyway, um, get that mental picture out of your head and get back to the Bible. Um, there are steps to reaping the harvest. Paul is writing that one man plants the seed. The harvest isn't instantaneous. I know enough to know that you don't put that seed in the ground, water it, and it, it springs up. There are no magic beans that do that. It takes time, and there are steps to reaping the harvest. Paul refers to the fact that he plants the seed. I, I know he's talking about the gospel. He plants the seed. Another man waters. Some, this is why in your soul reading, you should not get frustrated if, you, if you're able to give the gospel, although it's frustrating to give the gospel and them not trust Christ as their Savior. You've got to be reminded that you have planted the seed... The Spirit of God will use somebody, hopefully, if, if we're all willing and able to water it and reap the harvest. There's sometimes, we're, when, we're, when we're witnessing to people, they're easy to win to Christ. This is where a lot of our, our critics come and say, well, you just believe that, that, that somebody can just pray a simple prayer and trust Christ. Refer to my message this morning about the male factor on the cross who, who, who asked some very simple words. It, it happens. But what they fail to see, because they're not planting and watering themselves, that sometimes somebody's already planted, somebody's already watered, and that we just happen along and get to reap what somebody else has already done. Don't miss that picture of the fact that there are steps. We must follow the order that God has stepped. How foolish would it be for us to get, if you came out and, and again, I, I, I'm out there and I've got my water bucket and I'm watering and say, Pastor, what are you doing? I'm growing some crops. What have you planted? Well, I haven't planted anything yet, but I decided to go ahead and water. Pastor, you've lost your mind. Well, besides the point, yeah, but I'm still going to water. No, there's an order that we must do. We understand that. Don't miss this. We focus on the steps. God takes care of the increase. The reason why we don't see influence, we don't see increase in the harvest, we're not making it because we're not making the investment, we're not following the steps that God has said to see the increase. If you want your children to turn out for the Lord, you better follow the steps that God has laid down. If we as a church want God to continue to bless us and we want to reach our city, we want to reach the world, we must follow the steps that God has done. Don't worry about God's business. Worry about your business. There are too many who want the credit for the increase but not willing to plant or water. I have, God has given me three children Two of them are, are almost grown, and the other one's still at home. I mean, they, God's given me three children. 
and I'm, I'm proud of them, I'm thankful for them, I am not going to stand here and take credit for what they do for God. I pray, I, I do what I, I can do, but I am smart enough to know that when I plant a seed over here, there's a Sunday school teacher watering over here, that somebody plants a seed in a class, I water it at home, there's a message that is preached that, that God, that's, that's the work of God. And I don't have to get credit for them turning out, because that's God's work. That's God's business. And we as God's people should not get jealous when God does something. Say, well, if people knew what I put into them, why why can't we just rejoice in what God is doing? You didn't offer the increase. God did. But if you planted, God knows you planted that. If you watered, God knows you watered. If you just happen to be at the right place at the right time to reap, it's all God's work anyway. You and I should focus on the steps, the order that God has instructed. And when we follow his order, he gives the increase. There are steps to reaping the harvest. I still believe, parents, that our children can turn out for the Lord. I still believe in 2021, in spite of everything that's going on in this world, you can still rear Bible-believing young people. They may not know why they believe everything, but they don't have to know why they're in your home. You teach them, instruct them, give them a foundation. I still believe they can turn out for the Lord. I still believe the Emmanuel Baptist Church and Bible-believing churches can produce a generation of fundamental Bible-believing Christians. I still believe that. This book is still true. In order to do that, that's why God gives us the church. We as a parent have our responsibility, but yet God gives us Sunday school teachers. He gives us youth workers. He gives us a pastor. He gives us all these people who we are involved in each other's life. One person is influencing here, and they don't even know they're being an influence over here. We're just going to follow this order in the steps that God has instructed and let God give the increase. But too many times because we keep our focus off of the main thing. But if I can't get credit for the increase, what's the point of making the effort? Well, they, they got credit. Or so everybody pats them on the back. But nobody sees what I do. Well, God sees what you do, but with, with that kind of a spirit, if we have that kind of a spirit, it kind of takes the reward out of it, doesn't it? Um, with, let, me help, let me help us in this. I wish this would, I could say this to all of the brethren. When God wins, we all win. Amen. When somebody is one to... God's team wins. The good guys win when somebody gets saved. When somebody surrenders their life to the Lord, that's a win for the cause of Christ. When somebody has victory in their life and they overcome, and they don't ever know you prayed a prayer for them. They have victory, but we have victory. Now there's somebody still in the fight. 
there's somebody still serving the Lord that can help and go reaping that harvest of lost souls. But there's steps to reaping the harvest. If you and I stay focused on the steps, God takes care of the increase. Let me tell you, as your pastor, all I'm concerned with is the increase and that God does, we just got to do the steps. It makes, no, it makes no difference if I live and die, and, and there's no credit ever attached to my name. I'm wise enough to see what God is doing, and when everybody's planting and when everybody's watering, there's going to be an increase for the cause of Christ. There are steps to reaping the harvest. Number two, look with me in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number six. Some very familiar passages of Scripture tonight. Galatians chapter number 6. This one's going to help you because it helps me. Because if you're like me, I want it now. I want God to do some things now. But there's some things that God does. We don't, you, know, you don't realize when that seed's in the ground and, and God is beginning to give life to it, you don't see it. You don't see it. I mean, you're not going out there and measuring the stalk every day. If you are, get a hobby. You know, you're not doing it. Then all of a sudden it's like, wow, look at what's... How many of you... I mean, it's Florida. You don't have to answer this question. It's a rhetorical question. But how many of you ever said, you walk in the house and like, it's time to cut the grass again? I just cut the grass. I just cut it two days ago, and it's time to cut it again. You're busy with life, and all of a sudden there's growth there. When God is doing something, we don't always see it. Look at Galatians chapter number 6 and verse number 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing. Let us not be weary in planting seeds. Let's not be weary in watering. Let's not be weary in praying. Let's not be weary in going. Let's not be weary in standing. Let's not be weary in the work of God in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Statement number two is this. Time is required to reap. It takes time. You know how long it takes? I have to remind myself of this as a preacher. You know how long it takes to have a life's work? A lifetime? It takes a lifetime to have a life's work. And every child of God can have a life's work for God. It takes time. Time is required to reap. Don't miss this. Sometimes we read promises of God and we see what we want to see or we leave out very important parts of the Scripture. And let us not be weary in well-doing. This verse tells us that we shall reap if we faint not. That tells me, that gives me all i got to do is just not die. Just not quit. Just not give up. Just show up where we're supposed to show up. That increase that we talked about that God gives. If we faint not, we reap. Isn't that what your Bible says? That's what it says. But don't miss this. For in due season, I've discovered something in my years of living, in my years of ministry. Due season ain't my season. It's God's. When is due season? When God decides it's due season. When God says, here's the increase. 
In due season, it takes time to reap. It takes time to make a difference in the harvest. And let me just remind all of us, there's, if you're a faithful Christian, if you're going to be faithful to the end, and I, and I hope that's the goal of every one of us, we need to change our priorities as Christians. We need to change our priorities to trying to impress one another, to just, I just want to finish. I just want to finish. I want to finish being faithful. Lord Terry's is coming. And he calls me home. I want it to be said that I was running when he called me home. I may not run as fast as I used to run. I may not do everything that I was doing, but I'm still in the race. I want to finish my race. If you're going to finish your race as a child of God, if you're going to stay faithful to till God calls you home, some reaping is going to be done after our lifetime. Well, I've lived my life and I just don't see any effort from it. Well, quit, quit feeling sorry for yourself. Quit putting God on trial. You know what I'm saying? Well, God had to do it under my terms. Or, no, I just don't see. Was it worth it? Well, you're not going to see the fruit of it till you get to heaven. And quite frankly, you'll be part of that great cloud of witnesses and you'll be watching others run their race, and they'll be part of the reaping of your investment. We're all going to meet people in heaven that we didn't realize were going to be there from our efforts, whether it was a gospel tract we handed out, or that person who said, no, I'm not interested in that, and they did trust Christ as their Savior. Somebody who watched your life and you didn't know it, and then when God brought circumstances into their life, they remembered the Christian that worked two cubicles down. They remembered what was said in the one service on Easter. They were invited to the church, and the best they could, they, they understood the gospel, they understood what was necessary, and they put their faith and trust in Christ. There's going to be kids that got on a bus that we never saw again that got saved, and they're going to be in heaven. There's no way to tell that they're reaping that is done until many times, time and after our lifetime. There are preachers from the previous generation that have been in heaven for decades. And their life is still reaping a harvest. Still reaping a harvest. Because they live their life for something that would outlast it. There are Christians, not just preachers. There are faithful Christians who were faithful to the house of God, faithful to the word of God, faithful in their giving, faithful to be a witness, faithful to pray, just, just faithful people that God is using their life and long after they are gone, long after they're in glory, their harvest is still being reaped because they invested in other people. It takes time. Well, I've been teaching this class for so long and I don't see any fruit of it. It takes time. Time is required to reap. Can I be personal just for a moment? I see Pam and Linda sitting by each other. You two aren't supposed to be within three rows of each other. They taught me, and I, I don't know if... Well, I see Mrs. Wiles there too, elementary school. God, how did, how did I turn out like this? That's all I want to know. 
But I promise you, when they were putting me out in the hallway, simply because I was a guy and not a girl, <laughs> come on, guys, can I get a witness? Come on, come on. I don't think they saw me being their pastor. They'd have quit on God if they'd have seen that. <laughs> quit on God if they'd have seen that. I look around and I worked for Brother Tony. I built his cabinet business for him in one summer. <laughs> uh, I see the rugs back there. I've stayed in their home many times. It's been a long time since that's happened, but grew up with it. And just so I could go on and on and on and on and on. I think God's been pretty good to us as a church, hasn't he? But it took some time. And it's not just me as the pastor. There are others serving in various capacities. It took time. Might I caution us a little? Don't be too quick to write people off. Because it takes time for that harvest to really grow. It takes time. And sometimes a life grows at a different pace as another life. We look at it, let me just park here for a minute. We look at a life that was planted in almost a perfect situation. Gets regular water. Gets the exact amount of sunlight that is required. Is protected from the elements. Is nurtured. Is watched. And then it grows as it should grow. And we compare that to a life that was planted in soil that wasn't very fertile. Wasn't watered very often. Wasn't protected from the elements. And we wonder at the same period of time why this doesn't look like this. Give it a little time. And we see what the Lord will do that harvest will be reaped. And let me encourage all you, you, you parents, sometimes you're like, I don't know, I used to think that I was going to kill my child because of, just, just, it's just a lot different than I thought, but I think they're going to kill me before it's all said and over. You invest, you invest, you invest, it's going to take some time. I think every set of parents, if they're honest, have had the conversation, they ain't never going to mount nothing. God help us. God, please. That's normal. You say, well, I never had to do that with my kid. That's why we're worried about your kid. That's, that, yeah. That is just, we look at people and say, I don't know if they're ever going to make. Let God take some time with them. Time is required to reap. Don't give up. I've taught this class for so long, and I, have, I don't know that any of, any, any of these kids that's come through my class, I don't know that they're ever about anything. You don't know that. You don't know if they have. You don't know if they haven't. But eternity, eternity will tell. Number three, I've got to hurry. Turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalms 126. Psalms 126. Let me go ahead and mention statement number three tonight. To reap will cost you something. To reap will cost you something. Psalms 126, look at verse 5 and 6. 
They that sow in laughter shall reap in joy. Is that what your Bible says? Oh, I'm sorry, I read it wrong. They that sow in comfort shall reap in joy. Is that what your Bible says? They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Verse 6, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, don't miss the principle that is illustrated in this passage of Scripture. To reap will cost you something. If it doesn't cost you anything, you're not going to reap anything. You and I must count the cost. Sometimes, it's, you know, I joke about it. I only work on Sunday. And some are like, well, the ministry is a... You know, when you deal with people, it's an exhausting thing. Because I'm flesh just like everybody else here. I have a limited amount of it. I have a limited amount of wisdom. I have a limited amount of time. And it's one of the most rewarding things, but it costs you something. If you truly are going to help people, it's going to cost you something. Quite frankly, that's why some Christians won't teach a Sunday school class. Because it will cost them something. That's why some Christians will never work a bus route. A bus route will never be built because it will cost them something. Quite frankly, that's why some kids growing up in churches like this one even aren't reared the way they could be reared because it would cost mom and dad something. Some young people will never see, never see what God would do with their life because they're not willing to pay the price to invest in somebody else. How sad to let a harvest die and go to hell because we don't want to pay a price. We, not, we, we as young people, well, I don't, I've seen the way that some in the ministry have to live and I just don't want that for my kids or I don't want that for me. How sad. How selfish. I'm not here to, 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 to tell you anything other than the reality of it, if you're going to reap, it will cost you something. In a few minutes, we're going to dedicate some children uh, to the Lord. And for th those these parents, it's really a decision they're making. The child is just down here because they're being brought down here. They don't have a say in it. It is them saying, we're going to rear our child according to the Word of God. That will cost you something. For us to stay true as a church to the things of God, it'll cost us something, but there's a harvest that has to be reaped. I would urge every young person, the teens and these, these, these young adults, always be open to what God would have you do with your life. Well, I'm not called. What is wrong with saying, I'm just going to invest myself, whether it be in a Sunday school class, whether it be working on a bus route, whether it be just being, being faithful to witness to others, I'm going to do something to invest in somebody else. Let's just get right down to it tonight. It's going to cost you too much, isn't it? It's going to cost you some friends, isn't it? It's going to cost you some of your hobby time, isn't it? It's going to cost you some, something financial, isn't it? It's going to cost you some comfort, isn't it? It's going to cost you some popularity, isn't it? 
It will cost you something. Church, don't ever, don't ever get confused. Well, why do we, why do we have to sacrifice? Why do we have to pay a price? Why is there always, because if we're going to invest in the lives of others, the lives that God wants to make a difference in, the lives that the harvest is to be reaped, the devil is after the same lives. The devil is working as hard as he can to destroy them. These are precious, the souls are the most precious thing on this earth. There's a war over it. But if you're going to reap, it's going to cost you something. It says sow in tears. Anybody like to cry? I know women like to cry more than men. Apparently that's the way it seems anyway. Why are you crying? I don't know. It'll sow in tears. You know, we don't cry... Generally speaking, we don't cry over things we don't care about. Think about that. I don't understand why I'm crying, because you care about it. I don't understand why I felt it, because you care about it. We cry over things we care deeply about. Parents, when's the last time you cried over your children? When's the last time you cried over a prodigal? When's the last time you cried over a lost soul? When's the last time you cried over a lost city? We don't sow in tears because we don't care enough. If you're going to reap, it will cost you something. It'll cost you some hours in the night. It'll cost you getting up early in the morning. It'll cost you giving up some me time. I think we've, we've made a mistake in, generally speaking, in painting a picture that serving God the way He expects us to serve Him is just a life of ease. It is not. That's why as we taught this morning in Sunday school, we must be a good steward of the Spirit of God because He is the one who makes the difference He's the one that fills the gap that we cannot fill. He's the one that gives us the joy. There is no greater joy. I, I, there's nothing wrong with hobbies. There's nothing wrong with sports. There's nothing wrong with some things that sometimes we just cannot prioritize. There is no greater joy than, reap, than sowing in tears and then reaping in joy. There is no greater joy than that. To see your investment as it comes in tears, your investment that's cost you something, and say, look what God did with what I gave. Look at what God did with me giving up as we stand. And we were witness to that great white throne of judgment to see somebody not there because we invested. To know that we were the human instrument that God used. Well, if you, if you pray, I, I mean, I, I long for prodigals to come back to the Lord. If a prodigal comes back, I want to know that my prayers had something to do with that. And, and if the Lord brings them back and you're not praying, you may not even know them. We still rejoice in that, but it's a little bit different when you've invested. It's a little bit different when you've prayed for years. Am I right, Kim? And your husband gets saved after you pray for years? It makes a difference when you sow in tears and you reap in joy.
I've got to quit. I almost told you this was going to be a quick message, but I thought better of that. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Last one and I'm done. I do have three points in my conclusion, though. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me give you number 4. Your reaping is in direct proportion to your sowing. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Why is it that we as Christians, when we sow very little, we're shocked when we reap little? How foolish would we look at a farmer who plants a small portion of his field. He's got acres and acres and acres, and he plants just a small portion, and he comes out. How come it only grew right here? There's something wrong with the seed. What is God doing? No, friend, you, you sowed sparingly. So you reaped sparingly. How powerful are prayers? You think about it. Your prayer, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, your prayers have access to the God who spoke everything into existence. To the God who changes hearts. To the God of, the mir of miracles. The God of salvation. The Bible tells us our prayers move God. So why do we sow sparingly? We reap sparingly because we sow sparingly. God is a God of order. God is a, a God of principles and laws that He's established. He reminds us in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, you, your reaping is in direct proportion to your sowing. You want to reap more? This isn't deep. You want to reap more? Sow more. You want to reap more? Plant more seed. You want to reap more? Water more. I got I to do something to make... No, no, no. That's God's work. God gives the increase. Our responsibility is to plant the seed. Our responsibility is to sow. Our responsibility is to invest. Our responsibility is, is, very, is very ordered in what God has said. God gives the increase. Sometimes like, well, I just don't see God doing anything. That's like saying, I, I didn't see the corn grow. Nobody's ever seen corn grow. Nobody's ever seen the crops grow. You come and you see the result of the growth, but you're not out there and all of a sudden, I just saw it move. God gives the increase. But I tell you, what a, what a farmer can do, he can say, I put a seed right there, and I came back in due season, and now I have the results of it. And I'm glad I gave out all my seed. I'm glad I, 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 I seeded the whole field. I'm glad of that. There's a direct proportion to what we reap and to what we sow. Now, God does the supernatural. God does the work. You invest in a life, you have an opportunity to reap the benefit of that. But we ought to continue to say, Pastor, I, that's good preaching to those parents. I'm glad I listened when I reared my kids. Okay, your kids are gone. There's grandkids. 
don't know if you noticed, there's a lot of kids that run around here. Putting that change jar there was a good idea and a bad idea. It's a good idea because there's a lot in there. But I'm not going to have you raise your hand and how many of you got run over by somebody that's about a foot and a half tall <laughs> with change in their hand. Why don't we pray for them? Why don't we invest in them? Why don't we determine to be an example for them? Well, all these dreams and plans that the Lord's put in your heart, Pastor, I'm not going to be here for it. We'll plant some seed. And that account can be laid up for you in heaven. You can... I didn't understand this, and I'm done. I'll, I'll, give, I'll just read the, 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 the conclusion to you. I didn't understand this when I was growing up. You know, Christmas time comes, birthday. Well, it, your parents, it gives me more pleasure to see you happy on Christmas than when I open my own present. And I'm like, well, then we, we're on the same page then because I'm happier opening my presents than being happy about it. So let's just keep this thing rolling as long as we possibly can. But having children, I understand that. You see their joy. You know the sacrifices that you've made so that they can have that. I enjoy every high school graduation, now our college graduations again as the student comes and graduates. I love seeing the, the, the face of mom and dad the investment. Same is true when I have the privilege of performing a wedding, seeing the faces of mom and dad, the investment, the battles, the stands. It's reaping. It's reaping. God doesn't always do it the way that we think he's going to do it or would like for him to do it. You say, well, Pastor, I've, I've sowed, but I've not yet reaped. Let me remind you that time is required, and that's God's timing. It's God's timing. It's not my timing. It's not your timing. It's God's timing. The lost or this harvest needs someone to labor, care, so the harvest can be reaped. Let's be that people that continues to labor and continue to care. Let me remind us as well, someone with unreached potential needs someone to invest in them. I think one of the failures we as Christian people in general, I'm not just, I'm not just necessarily saying us, but as Christian people in general, I don't think we do as good a job as we could do, is we fail to take inventory and notice what God notices, the potential. Now, quite frankly, Every child of God's got to decide that they're going to let somebody help them. The other side of this coin is one of the most frustrating things is when you try to invest in someone and then they either squander that investment or they won't let you help them. That's frustrating. I understand that. I understand that every one of us has got to let somebody else. Every one of us has had somebody else help us. But why don't we look for that person with unreached potential who needs somebody to pray for them? Who needs someone 
to invest in them. We always love the story of the good, a good underdog story, don't we? They came out of the ashes and nobody believed in them. And look what they become. We jump on that when they've already become. But very few see somebody who's just lacking, just hasn't reached their potential. May we invest in them. Let me also caution us well, caution us as well. A scorner is the only one in Scripture we are commanded to cast out. Think about that for just a moment. A scorner. You read your Bible from cover to cover. A scorner is the only one that we're commanded to cast out. Let me remind us, we're commanded to cast them out. That means, doesn't necessarily have a lot to do with what we're talking about tonight, but it, it relates. Those who stumble and fall in life, we're not supposed to cast them out. And quite frankly, we need, we, need, we need to be reminded of this as Christian people. When lost people are more just than saved people, there's a problem. But the only person we're ever supposed to cast out is a scorner. People stumble, people fall, people do get away from the Lord. That is when they need the church. Maybe they're out of fellowship with the church. That doesn't exclude us. Well, Pastor, they're, they're out of fellowship. Does that mean the church stops praying for them? Does that mean that we change our spirit towards investing when we have an opportunity? But I realize it may be limited. Yes, the Bible does command us when it comes to those who have a disorderly walk, we are to separate ourselves. But you can continue to invest in them. I, I, I find myself working with people. I, I like to identify people as the book of Proverbs identifies people. I like to look at what the Bible says, and I'll just use that one as a disorderly walk. There are some I can't be as close to as their pastor because they won't let me in part because of their walk. That doesn't mean I've given up on them. It doesn't mean I'm not going to invest in them. I'm smart enough to know that not everybody does what I preach. And we shouldn't do it because I preach it. We ought to do it because that's what the Bible says. But I'm smart enough to know that not everybody preaches and whenever he does what I preach from the Bible. But my, I want to invest in people. If everybody... If everybody was living the, everything in this book, you wouldn't need a pastor. And if we're reaching people like we should be reaching people, there's always going to be a need to invest in them. We can pray for others as we close tonight. The names on your prayer list say a lot about you. If your name is the only name on your prayer list, don't you think you ought to branch that out a little bit? Well, I pray for my family. You should. You should. But if everybody on your prayer list has the same last name as you, don't you think it'd be good, it'd be a good idea for us to have some lost? Names on that prayer list. 
Don't you think it'd be a good idea for us to have some prodigals on that prayer list? Don't you think it'd be a good idea for us to have some names of these kids that are in the nurseries on that prayer list? Some of you, some of you, I'm just used to it. Some of you, these these kids are running around here, and these get, better just get it, get it in their heads. I'm gonna I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray you on the mission field. I'm gonna pray you into the work of God. I'm gonna do my best to pray. I understand I can't call you, but I can invest. I can pray for God's hand of protection and, and purity and protection from this world. Well, I wonder what would happen if all of us, all of us, and, and we're a praying people. We could stand here all night and talk about miracles that God's done for us through prayer. But what would happen if all of us just expanded our prayer list by one name and faithfully prayed for one more person Every single day. Would it make a difference? What would happen if we all decided, I'm going to find one person to encourage this week? I'm not talking about my normal friends. I'm not talking about the people I normally... I'm going to go... I'm, God, Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me cross the path of somebody that I can help I can be an encouragement to. That is an investment in someone else. I've had people sit across from my desk and give testimony to me about how somebody in the church said a kind word at a particular time, and they were going to quit. But it was because of the kind word and the kindness of a brother and sister in Christ, they decided to keep going. We don't understand, we won't understand until we get to heaven the importance of us investing in other people. Let's just be reminded tonight of these things. Let's be reminded how important it is for us to invest in His cause. Father, I pray that you'll use your word.